Mihartis. Once upon a time, there exists a being, a being that reveled against a lot of structures, familiar society, and went into the underworld. This being is Persephone, an archetype of revelry per excellence. She is now the queen of the underworld. And as every archetype, sometimes it is represented in an art way through living beings. And now I have here in the company of Papa, Moni, and she's going to talk us all about magic and psychology and we're going to get crazy because she's that. She's a representation of Persephone in the flesh. Now, without further introduction, here is Moni. Hello, everyone. I'm really thrilled to share my perspective discussing Papa so he can take me into the darkness of his underworld lair. <laughs> yes, I will play the other motherfucker here. Eh? Let's, let's try to explore what is there because there is so much. So I want to share something that's really dear to my heart. And I think that magic isn't as complicated as we think. And mystifying magic and thinking that it's very exclusive, it's um, really annoying to me because... Back in the ancient Egypt, the old magicians, they were kind of like psychologists. They both realized the link between conscious and subconscious mind, and they realized that we manifest from our mind. And how deeply psychology is linked into magic, that's really fascinating to me. Yes, but, but I need to mention something here that you, that you said about the Egyptians. These motherfuckers, the Egyptians, they were creating these initiative, well, initiation schools where to enter there and to actually learn the secrets of the divinity. You have to pass through certain ordeals. Like, like it was not so much open to public. I mean, if you want to participate, you couldn't join the school, but they were harsh. Like, they were putting you real deal tests. For example, right now, if you enter to masonry, and other uh, secret societies, I would say, they put you this initiation where they tell you, like, kind of they're going to kill you. Oh, well, yeah. Of course, they don't Definitely. kill you. <laughs> <laughs> because you realize, like, okay, if they're going to kill me, there will be nobody here, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can bad trip to the point that you think, like, well, maybe they will kill me. And actually, some people have tried to go here and got killed. And maybe I'll be the one that got killed. I don't know. But they try to make it dramatic. So you have this experience of death and rebirth, at least a symbolic one. But in the Egyptian schools, oh, they were motherfuckers. Like, they were really taking you to the edge. And if you died, you died. They were not giving a fuck. Like, if you really dare to knock into the school of mystery, they will open the door. But you are up to yourself. Like, it's your responsibility if you die. Mm-hmm, definitely. But I also want to mention the other type of magic, which is more for, like, for common people and what's called Heka. And everyone was Heka. Ah, please and, tell us. I don't know about that. And everyone was encouraged to practice this. And I feel like everyone should be empowered to use their minds to fullest extent to manifest magic using their imagination and their mind. Not necessarily diving deeper into summoning spirits and all that mystery that's very dark and potentially dangerous, even can make us go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but 
But I feel like just the psychological aspect of magic of our mind is something really accessible to like everyday human being that can explore this safely without getting lost in all the dangers of working with dark spirits. But as we all know, as within, so without. So some of the darkness is within our own consciousness. So also psychology encourages us to accept our own darkness. Yes. And we need to analyze here something. We need to analyze what is the meaning of magic. I'm going to go a little on the, on the, on the side of Alice Crowley, Eliphas Levy, where they are defining, defining magic, basically. I don't know the definition that they have by heart, of course, but my interpretation is that, uh, and my personal also definition, is that is making changes in reality happen according to your will. But here, the, the clue word there is will, because you can have your wantings and your will. I always, I always take this out into conversations related to magic, because your wantings can be very degenerate by your society, by media, you know. Yes, that's by, so true. Di- uh-huh. Diving deeper into what we actually want, because the things that they project onto us that we think we want might not be actually in accordance with our our mission on earth, like some people will be brainwashed to think that they need this perfect life and beautiful clothes and that's their dream life. And then, but as you dive into magic, you discover deeper what's your, what's the thing you desire the most and why you're really here. And that's less selfish and less superficial than the things they make us believe we really want. And that's a clue. That's a clue about going into the exploration of magic of the, of the underworld trip of Persephone. Because if you haven't analyzed where your wantings come from and where, what your will is, it's very likely that you will just use magic, like a lot of people do, just to manifest very uh, superficial shit into your reality. Basically things that will give you endorphins, that will make you feel good, but then they will go away. And you will try to do the same operation over and over again. But every magical operation requires for you to deposit energy on the process. It can be sexual energy, it can be mental energy, different types of mm-hmm. energy. Desire. So you Totally. So you will be doing an exchange of your energy for situations that will not satisfy you. And you will never go into the deep exploration of what real magic is. That is to realize what is your will. Okay, change reality according to your will. But first, realize what the fuck is your will. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel like many people start with magic and they do those manifestations to either achieve financial success, which can be very fulfilling. Needless to say, material objects are also sacred and Having that abundance allows us to become better people in many ways. I, f- I feel like by being a magician, we don't have to necessarily be a uh, person who uh, becomes solely spiritual and uh, denies materialism <laughs> in many ways. But Well, there are, there are many troubles there because, as you know, um, we beings can be very indulgent and magic like real magicians and witches through history, the real deal, they have been so disciplined. They were completely disciplined, very stoic, and they were not easy to to seduce into stupid situations. That was they were a lot of them they were ascetics, but they were ascetics by option, by choosing it, 
not because they were not believing in materiality, but just realizing that they were getting other kind of highs, I would say. Mm -hmm, definitely. And I wanted to connect this subject to how ev mm -hmm. everyday magic does on the superficial level, how it works and how it connects to our mind and how daily manifestations there are forms of just simple magic in our life, how we can achieve that with ease and attune our mind to the magical mindset. So as we all know, we have conscious, subconscious, and unconscious mind. So magic is basically at its core, working with our consciousness into our subconsciousness. And um, our mind sometimes isn't working well. Either we have negative thoughts or some obsessive thoughts, or we very polarized and we get triggered easily by everything around us because we see things as good and bad and mm -hmm. i feel like there are many simple steps towards working with our mind to clear our mind and even i would go to talking about the entities that latch onto our mind and speak illusion and and lies into our consciousness that we might perceive as our truth, but it might be something external that just use the moment of our weakness, of our suffering or negativity to leech onto our energy. And that's really interesting. I would love to talk about it. <clears throat> totally. Let's go there. But, but first, we need to analyze something that you mentioned here that, mm -hmm. is, that is the core element of where this starts. We are all just beings having an experience. And sometimes this experience starts to get messy inside. It can be because of outside reasons. But of course, the, re the reverberance of that is in, inside us. And it can start to develop a civil war, a conflict that happens when we start to realize that we have a lot of shit that maybe our thoughts go the way they want. Maybe we have certain kind of obsessions and biases, as you mentioned, that we, to a certain point, cannot control, that people cannot really control, that they get out of their power. They woke up one morning and said, I don't want to drink, and two seconds later they are drinking, even if they don't want to. Mm -hmm. And that happens because, like you said, they're saying no to it. They, they're rejecting it so badly. They're trying to push it away that it doesn't, properly alchemize and as you probably know because you're the master of the shadows <laughs> Shadow accepting those dark thoughts and accepting our own negative feelings that are linked to those thoughts is the way to actually work with our mind instead of trying to reject them and obsessively trying to get rid of negative thoughts realizing our dark nature and realizing that we're completely capable of being hateful, judgmental, and having that... Being terrible monsters. Yeah, having that non-dual perspective Be on our consciousness. <laughs> but if you do that, you're totally a rebel because you're doing basically what everybody tells you not to do. I mean, even in the Freudian school of psychology... Freud doesn't mention the shadow. He mentioned it at the subconscious mind, you know, mm -hmm. where there is all this shit that you don't like and it's basically there. You have to work with it somehow. Jung, he mentions it directly as a shadow, as all this shitty shit that is there and is trying to crawl out, but you are not letting it. And the more that you don't let it, you start to develop this internal civil war. 
and to restrict the shadow, to restrict all the monster that is inside you, the potential monster, because under the right triggers, you can be a terrible monster. If you start to restrict it, it starts to get bigger and bigger and starts to act against you. And then it starts to create a leak of energy. I will say that your auric field starts to get weak because it's no longer acting like a natural, I would say, defense. It starts to, to, to develop an immune an astral immune sickness, an astral immune disease where your own karmic field starts to act against you because it's trying to kill something inside you. And what it's trying to kill is your own shadow and you will never kill it. You have to integrate it. So then you're fucked up. You're fighting against yourself. You're punching yourself in the face. You're losing so much energy on that. And if you start to do that, other beings, uncorporeal beings, mm -hmm will notice it and they will come as mosquitoes Definitely. They will, yes I've, they will come to suck out of you i've seen those beings and i've seen them attached to people and they don't always attach because our energy is low they sometimes attach because we make unconscious contracts with them for example people can make a contract a woman can make a contract i'm going to be seductive and beautiful and then this entity attaches to her makes her extra seductive, extra sexy, while she's um, unconsciously making other people scared. And that's like a parasitic attachment. About the other attachments that are attached to our thoughts, I feel like they can take many shapes and different forms, depending on what unconscious archetypes we have about them. And they might even speak really terrible lies into our consciousness into our perception of reality to make to leech onto that neg negative energy and I even seen it with my own eyes when I felt negative and I started meditating and that beautiful energy of light was channeling through me all of those entities just pushed back and they dispelled and I instantly felt more at peace with myself and more aligned with my thoughts and my mind became completely empty and to demystify those things that they, if you get like a parasitic attachment, it stays with you for your whole life. No, I don't think it's true. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, in the, in the Salomonic myth of the King Solomon, one of the greatest magicians in all of recorded history, Solomon was trying to build a temple to God. That is a metaphoric to saying he was trying to perfect himself to be his highest self. And realized that there were a lot of demons there, a lot of demons in him and outside him. Mm -hmm. The Goetia, that is this horde of rascals that are doing mess all the time. And Solomon was trying to control them. Solomon was trying to fight them, to kick their asses. And they were, of course, not obeying. Until one day after fighting and fighting, Solomon realized that there was not a need to fight. That actually what these beings wanted was just to be free, to be acknowledge, embrace, and cherish. Because they are also beings. They, are, they also have feelings and emotions, the same as us. That's very curious. They're basically made of feelings and emotions. They don't even have bodies. Solomon befriended them, and they started to build the temple for him. Which means that if you befriend your shadow, if you accept it, if you accept that you're a rascal, that you're a motherfucker, that you're a monster, but that you can control it, and that you can befriend it, then this child acts as a natural protection to you. 
and nothing can really touch you because any uncorporeal mosquito that wants to suck out of you, it will face a legion of demons that are actually your friends and they will kick their asses quick. That's when your shadow starts to work for you. That's when your shadow and your light starts to get integrated and work in your favor. But I need to mention about the contracts that people made. If you don't have a well-integrated shadow, you will feel that you will not have power. A being without a well-integrated shadow feels powerless. Mm-hmm. Because in the shadow is the power. In the shadow is the power that you know that you can be a beast, but a cool beast. And if you know that, well, you can be as seductive as you want just by being yourself. You can, you can be as, as you need to be, as you will to be. But if you don't have a well-integrated shadow, you will start to use external resources. For example, uh, a way of making a pact with something is like drinking. Imagine that me, Papa, to be able to talk, I have to drink my tequilas before I start talking. Maybe you did. I'm I don't actually... know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I do my mezcal. And, and if I do, then I'm developing a pact with this substance. I'm telling to this substance, you know, for me to be able to function in a certain way, I need to mm-hmm. interact with you. And therefore, we have a pact. And this pact can get mm-hmm. out of control, of course, to the point that, it's, that it dissolves me. And it's the same when you do a pact with a non-corporeal thing to get something that you feel that you lack. Mm-hmm. But it comes from a, from a notion of lacking. You know? Just like you made a video about the demons that people who work with them they have to make the decision that they're going to pay something back to them for making the decision to work with them. It's like if you, if you make the pact with your own demons but, inside of yourself. Like, like you were saying that if you work with any demon from Goetia, you have to give something yes. in return to the demon. Is that right? Yes, but there is a, there is a clue there. There is, I would say... In the in the story of Aladdin, Aladdin and the genie, the Dijin, the Ifrit, that is basically a demon. Aladdin realized that he was trying to make his wishes come true through the demon and slavery of the of the demon or the genie to having him in the lamp. But at certain point, he realized that that kind of contract doesn't work neither for the genie neither for him. That what he has to do is to grant freedom to the genie. So that is basically cracking the code. That is not commanding the demons anymore. Then again, accepting them. And if you, instead of giving your energy to a demon, for the demon to do whatever the fuck you want, Mm -hmm. you give freedom to the demon, the demon will do whatever the fuck you want, but freely, you know. Mm -hmm. You will create a symbiotic relationship instead of a parasitic relationship. Mm Where you both fit. The demon lives cool, the demon is free, your own shadow is integrated, you accept it, you don't repress it, and at the same time, this shadow gives you a lot of power. And I think self confidence. Mm-hmm. Just the same with human beings, like part of dark magic is breaking another person's free will. To work in a Saturn, to work in the densest form of magic is to change person's free will and that can become very nasty. It becomes like a tug of war between consciousnesses. <laughs> and it goes totally against the, the philosophy that I believe is more accurate regarding, uh, regarding to magic, that is that everybody should be able to do their free will. Because at the point that you deny something in reality, you're magically denying it to yourself. 
for example, if I deny the free wills of another being, I'm magically making the statement that my will can also be denied. Mm. I'm in, of course, I'm including into my sphere of being these kind of situations to exist. Definitely. Yeah. Yes, that's why most black magicians, they have very nasty lives, like very nasty lives. And I mean, the, the black ones, we don't even know about the real black ones because they were fucked up very quickly. Yeah. Some people say that Alice Crowley is a black magician. Everything she was just winning the gamut. I, mm-hmm. I feel like any malicious intent through magic comes back to you through karma and you, it will just smack you back in your face and show you right in front of you what you've been doing wrong and you'll be treated with so much um, even worse in return if you try to put malicious intent in your magic. <laughs> okay, I, I need to tell you something here. There is one thing that is be good or be good at it. And there is people that naturally, by talent, they are forces of nature, of pure evil. They are like that. Like We cannot change them. They are made like that. And they really make it happen. And they can create very, very crazy shit that we, from our moral perspective, depending on our morals, what we can judge as terribly immoral. But they are who they are. And that's what could be expressed as God is is the angel that tells you not to eat the apple and at the same time is the snake that tells you to eat the apple. God expresses in many different forms. So we as humans, we have a, the limited view of judging good and evil. But well, what it is, it is. Though most people that try to enslave others through magic, yeah, they end up fucked up quickly. And I feel not just, it also doing too much darkness and shadow and dwelling too much into that dark magic will really ruin your body because you experience so much suffering that your emotional body never heals and it takes you into such deep suffering and just agony i guess well i encourage people that when they are doing their shadow work and that they are going into the darkness they need to develop a brilliant mind and a vibrant body to be able to hold it to be really able to take it because if not, of course, it's too much. Of course, it's too much to face the monster that we all have inside. We need to be fit in every way to be able to do that. And I also feel like something worth mentioning, besides resolving that inner conflict between light and dark and polarization, sometimes the inner conflict mm-hmm. is coming straight through our indecision. And it's not because we want to choose between dark and light. It's we're sometimes opening ourselves and our minds to pollution because we cannot be aligned with one path and our mind just goes crazy because there's different parts of our consciousness that want to do different things at the same time mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's causing like splits in our and fragmentations in our consciousness and we need to try to get those parts of ourselves to talk to each other to align on one stable path, you know what I mean? Yes, is making the arrow one-pointed. Because if you want to shoot the arrow and it has 20 different heads, well, it will not hit, of course, the target. You need to make all your will 
one-pointed, and that requires a work that is represented by the pyramid, by the eye of the pyramid. The pyramid at the beginning is very gross, is very material, and it starts to become polished until it becomes the point, mm -hmm. and then the eye opens, and is the is the highest attainment that you can do to make your will one-pointed, to make it sharp and precise, to be able to hit whatever is your goal. And the thing is that your goal is not even your goal. It's the God of divinity. It's the goal of divinity through you. And the goal of divinity is just getting perfect and more complicated and more, well, by perfect I mean I cannot know what God perceives as, as perfection, of course, but from my humble human point of view, perfection will be the most unchained, unbound, unrestricted expression of a complete being that has, of course, integrated mm -hmm. all its parts. And not I feel like it. lots of um, our imperfections stem from the negative subconscious beliefs we have and coming to that perfection is working of our subconsciousness and uh, consciously creating who we are and choosing which qualities we want to um, have and um, figuring out what insecurities we have and programming our mind with those positive qualities we want to have in order to be more godly or one with the universe or whatever. <laughs> Well, to recognize, to be aware of that uh, of that union with the universe, because we all have it. Like there is no way that you cannot be united to the whole universe, but uh, but you can feel alienated from it. And the more that you feel alienated from yourself, the more you feel alienated from the universe. And if you feel that you have things inside you that you hate, that you don't like, that you don't know how mm -hmm. to deal with them then you will feel that you are in the wrong body, in the wrong house, in the wrong fucking country, in the wrong fucking planet and plane. Mm -hmm. And of course, you will start to hurt everything around you and you will start to hurt yourself mm -hmm. and you will be a mess and you will be annoying and nobody will want to hang around mm -hmm. you because you mm -hmm. will be ugh, super shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and definitely at the same time, I think balancing that with letting go of perfectionism because it's such a killer and like really being perfectionistic and assuming how everything's going to work out and holding on to how things will manifest mm -hmm. in, instead of just releasing and letting the magic work. <laughs> the thing is that perfection is for most human beings is based on comparison with other human beings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely. That if you, if some human being starts to watch the life of another human being, for example, through Instagram, and they think like, Oh my God, this human being seems to have more pleasure than me. Therefore, their life or existence must be better. Mm -hmm. Then they start to compare and they start to imitate certain mechanisms that maybe they are not natural mm -hmm. in themselves, originally natural. And that's why people try to imitate one. I don't know, in a very, in a more uh, earthly case, imagine um, a girl that sees that another girl that has some different type of body is getting more guys or is getting more likes. Mm -hmm. So this girl would try to change her own body structure to be able to be similar to the other girl to achieve the same because she thinks that that way she will get more endorphin rush. And then human beings can fall into an endless trap of achieving not perfection, but imitation. And actually this girl, the original one, could be perfect if she just expresses her own nature without conflicts towards herself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True, true. And I think like some sort of level of perfectionism leads us towards 
uh, healthy competition and the elevation towards endless growth and an evolution of consciousness. So it, seeing someone doing better and becoming slightly envious can be help, helpful because we want to grow ourselves and then we take steps to become better. So it's not, it's not that we have to necessarily push it away so hard. Well, most of the champions, of the champions in their disciplines, it could be whatever, it could be in philosophy, it could be in arts, it could be in sports, where these, where these beings are really expressing their art unrestricted to them, that they have really reached a point where, where what they do, they don't longer even think about it. They just let it happen through them. It's like if, if the God itself will be flowing through them with artistical perfection. Mm -hmm. These beings, when they are asked, like, hey, what is your competition? Most of them, they, they just answer, myself. Like, I'm not even watching outside. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to let this flow happen through me every time. More clear, mm -hmm. more clean, and much more powerful. But I don't give a fuck what all the motherfuckers Yeah, do. definitely. I think, like, most geniuses don't really care what others think about them. And that allows them for the most free expression and being who they really are instead of inhibiting their creativity. A lot of geniuses are, have fall from geniality mm -hmm. when they start to compare themselves to others. When they start to feel this, this paranoid potion that they need to watch what others are doing, that's when they fall from their own geniality. And this is related to the, to the daemon of the Greeks, to the holy guardian angel of the telema, and it's, it's your true will. The only thing that you are here to do is to express your true will, who you truly are, and that's it. Not to imitate anybody else, not to try to be like they tell you to be, not to, for example, if you, if you go into spirituality, it's very likely that, that they will try to uniform you, that to be accepted in certain groups, you have to act like a light worker and say, yeah, yeah, I'm super nice. I love, 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 all this love, all this fuck. Yeah, all this fucking love until somebody kicks your balls. Then, then it gets like, like, <laughs> like you start to put resistance to a reality. And it's natural because not all is love. I mean, mm -hmm. all, is, all is all and all includes everything. And everything has its contradictions in itself. And we need to accept that. As in ourselves, we need to accept our shadows and we need to accept our light. Because if we don't, well, uncorporeal mosquitoes will feed on us. <laughs> Let's not, not be scared of them. People are too scared of them. They're too scared of demons. They're too scared of those things coming to them instead of focusing within, I think. <laughs> I, I really believe that demons are all inside. I really believe that demons are all inside and that on corporeal beings, there are other things. Of course, there are demonic beings that are outside too, but, um, but the demons of a well-integrated human being can kick their ass of any other intruder that wants to feed yeah. on them. But for that, yes, we need to befriend our shadow and mix it with the light and create the gray potion of individuation as Jung says that is a well integrated being mm -hmm, definitely and there's also and that's the opposite are. of individuation which is the unification of everything and God and all the um, other forms of collective consciousness of what hold, 
what is the same between all of us. So apparently on a lower level, there's an individuation and a higher level, there's union, right? And that and that's coexisting throughout the, our existence. <laughs> to achieve the great marriage, the marriage of the microcosm and the macrocosm, the microcosm has to be complete has to be complete and well integrated. Because if you're still fighting with yourself all the time, how the fuck are you going to marry the universe? So true. There is no way. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't married your own internal war, if you haven't made peace with yourself internally, how the fuck are you going to marry the whole process of the cosmos? So there, there, there are steps to it. Of course, they are very personal. But we're all there. We're all there because... Actually, there is nothing else to do. Life takes you there even if you don't want it. When you realize that every material shit that you can obtain will not satisfy you, eventually you go into the path. And one step that you take into the path, you will arrive to the end, no matter what. So true. Yeah, the process of evolution is unstoppable. <laughs> yes. Is, is God happening to us and God? Well, never will be stopped. My dear, my dear Moni, it was an absolute pleasure to have you here in the gallery of the dark pope you have your place you can hang around here all you want it's like persephone in the underworld because yes this gallery is in the underworld of course and we're hanging here and uh and anytime you want money please it was amazing yes it was lovely thank you so much for connecting with me and i love to Say goodbye to all these motherfuckers. Goodbye, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, eventually we'll have more money, of course. She's brilliant. She's lovely. She's super cool. Reach her up and, uh, and we'll be back in the gallery. Thank you very much, all of you rascals and goblins and ghouls <laughs> for joining us. Have a good 